welcome to episode 20 of GameSpot After Dark. We are coming up on the holidays, but don't worry because we're going to keep pushing through. We've got podcasts planned all the way up until next year, and we're going to keep going after that. But this week, we're doing something special. We have finally announced our game of the year, and that is Sekiro. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, and we're going to get into that this week. And with me, I have Callie Plaguey. Hello. Jean-Luc Seipke. GameSpot After Dark, more like GameSpot After Lunch. That's true. It is. <laughs> it is lunch. <laughs> and at the end, we've got uh, Jordan Ramey as well. Hello. You can Hello. tell I really wanted to say that. <laughs> I was waiting. I'm so happy you did. Uh, Jordan, you've been on this podcast once before. You talked about uh, a review you did, but mm-hmm. you're back because you played a lot of Sekiro. Yes. John Luke, you've played a ton of Sekiro. I as have well. played a ton of Sekiro. Callie, you've played a good amount. Mm-hmm. And you also are here to talk a little bit about how the game of the year deliberation process works because it's not as transparent as I think many of us would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is pretty straightforward, but things get complicated, especially with this year because we had five games that were all kind of vying for game of the year, which doesn't typically happen. Previous years, it's been fights between like Red Dead and God of War or yeah. Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, which... Wait, Breath of the no, Wild. Persona 5 was definitely in that fight. Oh, yeah. Zelda it it yeah. was, but Persona 5 was weird because it was... We, we don't need to get into that. Originally, <laughs> originally, it was like number three on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Me and people Michael were pushed arguing. it up. Yeah, you guys pushed it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think because it was three at that point, everyone's like, well... Well, anyway, should we get into that? Doesn't make yeah. any sense if you we, don't know we, how it did, works. Did we, did we say what our game of the year was? Did we actually say it? I did. Yeah, yeah, he first thing I said. Yeah. I totally. I'm you sorry. Said, <laughs> I was so, so focused on your joke that you just I blacked did not, out. Yeah, pretty much. It's like gotta get it right. Gotta get it right. <laughs> um, um, cool, but yeah, I guess cool, I'll cool. say it again for Jean Luc's sake. Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice from From Software. Uh, one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, my favorite, as I talked about before, was Disco Elysium. But man, I was not bummed when this when we decided on this because I love this game. But before we get into it, Callie, why don't you kind of talk about the process? Yeah, um, I I kind of alluded to stuff on previous episodes, but uh, basically what we do is kind of this multi-step process where uh, the first step is everybody on the content team gets to submit a personal top 10 ranked. So like your number one gets 10 points on on this like kind of in, semi-invisible scale that that the editor-in-chief randy uses um and then nine points eight points so on so you rank your list it can be any game you played this year like it doesn't have to be games that came out in 2019 because we also have other categories like best reissue best ongoing game so if like your favorite game you played this year was rainbow six siege you could put that as number one um, and then those scores are weighted and tallied. Um, they're also weighted according to how many people had them on their lists to help give um, games that fewer people played but were rated really highly on those people's lists a little uh, a chance to shine. So that's like for Plague Tale Innocence, for example, that's how it made it onto our top 10 was the people who loved it, really, really loved it. Um, so then we get into a meeting room after um, all of those lists have been submitted and tallied and the math happens Um, Luckily, we don't have to do any of the math. But uh, after that, um, the editor-in-chief and our managing editor, Peter, who you've seen on this podcast, put together like a top 20. And from there, we look at what's, you know, in the top 10. There's a game that's going to be number one on that list based on votes. And then we start discussing, okay, which games 
Could we see dropping out of this list? Which games could we see from the bottom 10 of this top 20 get into that list? And that's kind of how we start this, the discussion. So this year, the number one by votes was Control. Mm-hmm. Um, because Control was a game that basically all of us played and really liked. But that's not what makes Game of the Year. It's not a popular vote. We have a discussion about what the merits of each game are. So that's after we kind of like narrow things down. We narrow down like what can move out, what can move in, so on and so forth. Some people nominate games that aren't even on the list. So um, that's how I, well, I didn't get Plague Tale on personally, but I brought that up because yeah. it was out, out of the list, like you mentioned. Plague Tale before. wasn't even in the top 20. And I was like, hey, I think this is a game that we should look at. Because uh, I think it would make sense for our top 10 list. And sure enough, other people, like two or three other people who had also played it, chimed in and they mimicked what I, well, they had different points, Echoed. but they agreed with me. <laughs> Echoed is a better way to put it. Uh, so that game got moved up to our 10, which I'm very proud of because I think that game's very good and I'm happy it's on the list as we yeah. talked about last week. And so the way we do it is not a debate. <laughs> That is something that was emphasized over and over again because Mm -hmm. I think people do enjoy debate. (laughs) But the way we talk about these games is not like, oh, but your point doesn't make sense because blah, blah, blah. It's more of a, okay, Jake, why are you vouching for Disco Elysium versus Mm -hmm. Tamor? What are the positives you have to say for Sekiro Shadows Die Twice? Yeah, we're not trying to tear down other games that like so... I think it's easy to be like, well, this game shouldn't be game of the year because it has this and this and this and those don't work and this is broken. But we kind of try to avoid that in those discussions. We want to keep on to the positives and maybe talk about reasons why it may may not be game of the year, but we're not necessarily, it's kind of hard to describe. No, the... The the reason it's not a debate is when somebody brings up a negative point, like there's this deal breakers opportunity. So for us, we narrowed it down to five games, which was way more than we've done in the <laughs> yeah. past. What were those five games? Uh, Control, Control, Outer Wilds, Sekiro, Disco Elysium, and what was the fifth one, you guys? Wilds and Worlds. Death Stranding. Oh, Death Stranding. Alessandra's going to be mad we forgot that one. Yeah. I mean, I would be mad at myself. Which, as you mentioned, is very... Like, in previous years, it's been... Like, last year, I think it was between God of War and Red Dead. Yeah, it was so... It was... That was pretty much, like, the two... And then we came in, and that's what Peter said, pretty much. And then the two years before that, it was, like, it's Breath of the Wild. We'll have a formality to talk about it, but (laughs) it's Breath of the Wild. And the year before that, it was Overwatch. Overwatch. And the year before that, it was, like, Witcher and uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, but... Well, I, I don't think there was much. <laughs> I think that really speaks to how good this year was that we actually, it was a hard debate. It was. And I think that's, I think. Sorry, that, discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Deliberation. So I, I, I think that's a uh, really strong thing about this year is that there have been so many games that were interesting and uh, challenged us. And like some people really didn't like some of these games, but they were still in contention because of the positives that people um, brought up. And so we kind of just focus on like, okay, here's why we, if if you're a Sekiro supporter, you raise your hand and each person who wants Sekiro to be game of the year says their piece. And we kind of, it's, uh, it's something that my friend Jared Petty once described. This is back when I was at IGN and I was trying to give Undertale a 10 out of 10. We had a meeting about it and we were talking and talking and it was getting nowhere. And Jared, who is the most sage-like man I have ever met in my life, was at the head of the table for some reason. (laughs) He looked at all of us and he was like, you know what? The Quakers have something where they read the room and they, they, they ask a question when they're having these kinds of discussions. What's the, 
the energy of the room. What's the mood of the room? And the mood of the room that I'm feeling is that Undertale is a 10. And he just, it was just like such a, <laughs> and everyone got Damn. quiet and we were like, oh, I, I mean, I was the one who was doing it and I was like, hey, okay, okay. Yeah. I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. And so we kind of, we kind of do use that principle when we're talking about game of the year is kind of like, all right, whose argument swayed you? What's the vibe right now? Um, and that's how we come to the conclusion is then we just hold it to a vote. We did a couple different votes. So we did a vote across all five and then Mm -hmm. we were like this is back um this is like in the uh past presidential elections where um (laughs) the parties didn't have one nominee so like there were three democrats and the votes were all split split between the democrats so the republican president won i think that's how lincoln won anyway um interesting i'm (laughs) getting real political in common (laughs) no that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that to avoid that to avoid like oh oh, we're getting too split between because for example like outer wilds had like some pretty strong votes but then some of the people who wanted outer wilds like their next game would have been something else besides sekiro so we narrowed it down to three after that and then voted from the three and i think that was so outer wilds and um Outer Wilds got cut in that first. Yeah, yeah. I think the last three were like Disco, Disco Sekiro, Control, and Control, and right? Sekiro. Yeah. yeah. And even then it was really close between those three. It was very close. Yeah. It was <laughs> especially close between Disco and Sekiro, which I was really surprised by. And I, I think, again, like that was just a really exciting thing to be a part of um, because I didn't know where it was going to go. Yeah. So I was like surprised that it was Sekiro, not because Sekiro is bad, but because I was just like... I wasn't sure where people were going to land. There's a lot of hands for yeah. all of these games. Yeah. I mean, going in, I was like, honestly, I mean, I, when I went in, Sekiro was my personal game of the year, so it was what I would have liked to won, but I was like, I could be completely happy with any of these five major games. And and actually, like, you guys swayed me with your argument for Disco, where at the very end, I voted for Disco. Even though Sekiro is my game of the year and I'm happy it won, the, like, your guys' argument swayed me more to vote for disco yeah and that's the perfect illustration of what the spirit of that discussion is right um but anyway sekiro did win so Mm -hmm. we should probably talk about why yeah those are some trade secrets right there now you can have your own game of the year deliberations at home just make sure to do it with safely. Your, with no your friends alcohol. and family. No, yeah. <laughs> we had donuts. We had it was donuts. too early in the day for alcohol. Oh, wow. I don't know. Debatable. Ten minutes in, I was like, yeah, I could probably go for some. <laughs> uh, Jean-Luc, why don't you start this discussion? Because you played Sekiro. Or you were playing it before it came out. You got the uh, 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 one of the review codes. Right. So you were one of the very first people to play Sekiro. And having come off you've played all the dark souls games mm-hmm. you've played demon souls you played bloodborne uh what was that like going into sekiro i think the biggest thing was sort of like not my expectations going in was like okay it's another from software game i've played this before it's it's uh, a different setting obviously they're incorporating some stealth stuff but i was very much expecting the the basic like rhythm to feel similar and i was constantly surprised as i was playing it or it's 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 a thing that everyone talks about it's like you can't play it like a dark souls game and you you have to like retrain your brain but like it was man those like first couple hours of that game were like so tough because you're just like i'm trying to play this like dark souls like bloodborne what's wrong like and to the point where there were like people like eric tay in the office who like 
straight up didn't like it at first. They were like, I hate this game. This game sucks. And to that we say, get good. And he would say the same thing. <laughs> he would yeah. say the same thing. And Tay has, has since switched his position where he was voting for it for game of the year because like you hit a point where you like it clicks you know this is something like a lot of people say like there's there's that moment that boss fight where the game like forces you to to learn to play it the way you're supposed to play it um and i think just like there there is something about like the reason i hold games like dark souls in so high regard is because i think dark souls was one of those games that when you play a game, you get very comfortable with like certain genres and way games play. Like you pick up a shooter and you're like, I, I know how to play a shooter. You know, there are certain things about shooters that change, but fundamentally the the um, the skills you need to play a shooter are kind of transitioned between every shooter. Even and though that's, that's kind of what you expected with Sekiro. You'd be like, oh, it's another From Software it's another game. another From Software game. So yeah, like when I first played Dark Souls, like what threw me off was that I had to retrain my brain and I had to learn to play this game in a way that I hadn't had to think about in such a long time. And that's why that game stuck with me. But then every other Dark Souls and even Bloodborne since, I really love those games. I mean, Bloodborne is one of my favorite games, but none of them really quite captured that feeling of the original Dark Souls because it was the first one I had played. And I would say Sekiro is like the closest sense of like, oh, I have to retrain my brain again. Like it reminded me so much of the first time I played Dark Souls because I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing and I need to learn how to play this game. And I think like that's what really stuck with me about it and and like i i really i love games that like i can pick up and know how to play but i think the games that truly stick with me are games that um i don't know what i'm doing and i have to like figure it out whether it's you know games like disco where it's like the way that game's dialogue system works is like oh i don't know how i need to figure out this mm-hmm. game's rule sets and learn it and like that's where like my favorite games come from and how they surprise me and i think sekiro was a great example of one that like just I thought I knew what I was going to play going in but like I totally didn't. Yeah, what's interesting about Sekiro 2 from uh, at least from my perspective is that I think it is both the easiest from software game but also the hardest from software game I've played <laughs> just because it feels less cheap in a way. Like you don't die as much from like a uh, an enemy hiding around a wall and they jump out and kill you. There's a lot less of that. Yeah. There is one enemy in particular that I'm thinking of that flies down from a kite and <laughs> Oh it. yeah. That guy that, that's the exception. <laughs> and and from so- and, and uh, sorry, uh Sekiro has stealth elements too, so you can effectively take out a group of enemies just by sneaking, which is easier than That's engaging in combat. <laughs> exactly. It's also uh, the most and, straightforward to learn of yeah. all the games. Like you only have one weapon. You only have a very set number of mechanics that you mm-hmm. actually have to learn with this game. And there's no like, well, there there is some weirder endings where you have to eavesdrop on people and that gets a little weird, but there's no, like you got to pick up this item and you got to stand right here and curl up in a ball and then you'll get picked up by this bird. And it, it's, it's more straightforward, like what mm-hmm. you were saying. And I think that makes it easier, but actually playing the game before you have a handle on it like you cannot cheese your way through that game no and like you can't really with dark souls either but i think more so (laughs) if sekiro is if you do not play the way they want you to play you are not gonna you're not gonna make it through that game see i just didn't have this problem at all because this was my first from software game so i like i didn't find any of that i just went right into it so i was like the you were watching me play the um it's like not even a boss just fighting that troll like that one of the first troll 
thing. Giant. Oh, the the ogre. Ogre, yeah. yeah. Sorry, it was a mini boss. He's pretty Did tough. They... I was on him for a little while when I started. I, yep. I beat that second try. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I don't know. I I just I didn't have that barrier to entry. So what brought me into Sekiro was definitely the setting. Um, and how beautifully realized that world is. Like that's because that's part of the reason I never played a From Software game before. I was like, like I'm pretty emo, but I was like, this is this looks depressing. This looks scary and depressing, and I and hard. And I'm just like, oh, I don't have the energy for that. Whereas Sekiro, I was like, this is beautiful. Um, and I know that like that's just my impression of Souls games. I don't think that's like necessarily the case. But I just wasn't captured by them just from looking at them. Whereas, like, I really wanted to play Sekiro because I was like, I'm really into Japanese history. Um, I'm really into like how beautiful this is, the music, um, and so like, I don't know. I just didn't have that same learning. Yeah. I mean, I had to learn the normal learning curve, but I didn't have to like relearn anything because I didn't have any muscle memory to begin with yeah i guess i guess we're kind of bouncing around a little bit here but uh jordan you brought up during the deliberations you talked about how the music uh basically adapts to how you're playing and what you're in and how you're countering and stuff like that could you kind of bring that up again because i think that was super interesting it's i didn't even that think about i did that. not notice okay. until, until you brought this up it. i would say I'll, I'll try to explain it's very hard to do it like auditory wise it's easier like visually but so from software has always kind of done this thing where their games are usually in like a three four time or a four four time so it's one two three one two three or one two three four one two three four um and that's kind of just how the music goes and that's typically how most enemies and bosses in their games fight too they usually fight to that very specific specific rhythm there are exceptions like a dancer of the boreal valley and that's why some people have difficulty with her because she moves to a different rhythm than what's customary for the rest of dark souls 3 but sekiro kind of also adopts that same musical style that dark souls and bloodborne does where as an easy ish example genichiro attacks almost on every second and fourth beat of the the music that plays during his boss fight. So he'll typically have a rest on like the first one and attack on the second rest on the third and attack on the fourth. And so if you kind of understand that you can almost predict what type of attacks are coming and whether you have enough time to respond to the next attack or not, like his jumping slash attack that ends with an unblockable usually pauses on the first beat jumps on the second somehow manages to freeze in midair on the third and then comes down on the fourth pauses on the first beat of the next measure and then either delivers a stab that you have to Makiri counter or a turning around circular attack that you have to jump on his head Mario style to kind of get over. And it's one of those like really cool things that the music is in a way kind of informing the combat and it kind of adds to the fact that everything in this game is very connected and kind of like interweaves together to tell this very central theme. And it kind of helps add to the whole cinematic aspect of Sekiro that instead of just saying oh this is a really cool badass fight between two samurai like warriors you kind of feel that and your actions match with the music almost as they would in a movie yeah the I so you said it beautifully here okay you said that in the meeting <laughs> I was like so impressed because I hadn't thought about it that way but the Mercury counter is deaf like you feel that doing the Mercury mm -hmm. counter oh yeah the bass when you land yeah. those like the yeah. thump the, satisfying not only the not only the feedback the sound design of the feedback but also like the timing of it when you get that down it really does feel very rhythmic mm -hmm. um 
But, and I just really like Mercury Count. I just like it. The Mercury so, Counter is so That's the yeah, best example fine. I can think of. Especially okay. when you can follow up a Mercury Counter with a finisher. With a finisher. And, it, and he'll like spin around and stab him through the mm-hmm. throat or something. Oh, it's it's pretty it's cool. so good. But is uh, like when you're playing that game, when you have a really good handle on the combat, what you're saying makes a lot of sense because it does feel like you're dancing with these enemies in yeah. a weird way. Like if you know what you're doing, it's cling, 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 like deflect, 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 attack, attack, deflect, 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 attack, attack. And that rhythm, once you get the hang of it, I think is so satisfying. And mm-hmm. it's it's really unlike anything I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's so rare for a game to actually capture the like one v one duel in in like in terms of like yeah the sword play presentation i'd say the few games that have like i think for honor did a pretty good job Mm -hmm. of that um but like sekiro really does like when when you're constantly just like attacking parrying like there's you can because of the way the game works where um one of the things i really like about the game is that instead of it's not just about whittling down health actually the more efficient way to do it Mm -hmm. is to break their posture and then do the finishing blow. So you could technically do a boss fight where you never actually damage them until you do the finishing blow. And there's something really cool about like, I'm blocking every hit, they're blocking every hit, we're both getting each other's posture down, and it feels like a real sword duel in where when you actually do the finishing blow, it's like, that's the one hit you actually did on them, and that's what killed them. And you're like, oh my god! Like it, it Which captures is, that feeling of like a real sword fight. Yeah, I mean that's how swords work. Right. <laughs> you the, sword. the stab is usually the probably thing that kills dead. you. The one, probably the one stab is really what's gonna get you. Yeah. It's. I mean, obviously, it's still a video game, so it, you can do damage to the health. But there's something like really cool about just getting that posture broken down, mm-hmm. and it's like this perfect string. Where like if you were to go back and like watch that that fight it's just like this rhythmic like back and forth between the two characters that's like oh my god it's it's so it's so fun to go back and like just watch those fights happen because like in the moment you're just so focused on it but like seeing like that perfect string of of attacks and and parries is oh it's something else i think it's why sekiro is one of the most satisfying games at least for me to replay this year yeah. to go back and fight bosses again that I've already beaten. And now that I know the rhythm and the combos that I have to respond to it. God, it's such a good feeling to fight bosses that gave me like 50 tries, like my first time through and now I can beat them on the very first attempt. Yeah. It's like, a just the, the satisfaction of successfully executing a difficult sequence because you've mastered it or because you've encountered something more difficult. That's like never not going to be a good feeling in yeah. games when say, the Tam, mechanics are that tight. Yeah, Tam, Tam kind of compares it to like being good at a fighting game almost, yeah. like knowing what combos to hit. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. I was playing this morning because I was capturing a scene for another game of the year video we were doing when you fight the the guardian ape, which is a Whoa. boss <laughs> that took me so My God. long. I was so mad and I was getting so frustrated and I spent... I just I was I was so mad I finally did it it felt fantastic and I was like but I'm never gonna be able to do this again there's (laughs) no way I'll be able to do this again uh and today I was playing it to capture it and I think I did it like my second try oh nice uh and it it was it was a first playthrough it wasn't like a new game plus so I only had a couple uh uh flat gourd what is it I forget what the the healing healing gourds yeah I only had a couple of the healing swigs of the healing gourd uh and I didn't have all my abilities like I didn't have some of the more effective uh, prosthetics for him. Mm-hmm. 
and I was able to just take him out. And especially too, because I was thinking about when I was first fighting him, I was still doing that hit and run tactic where I would, I would poke him and then just run as far away as (laughs) I can and wait for him to like tire out or throw his poop at me or whatever. And then I'd poke him again. But this time it's like, all right, no, I'm, I'm going to go toe to toe with this, this guy. And just being able to counter and block all of this giant apes moves is like so intimidating at first. Like, especially before that, when you're just fighting swords, swords, people and like, I don't know, and, and enemies with swords. And then you fight this thing and he's just swinging his arms at you. And at first you're like, wait, can I block this with my sword? I don't know how this is going to work. Timing is a little different, but once you get the hang of it and I went back there and it was just like, this is a breeze. This feels so good to just, put this dumb ape in his dumb place <laughs> the apes uh, uh that kind of leads into something i wanted to talk about which is the, how that game actually does still have a lot of variety in terms of like the pathing and the way you can play it that i yeah. think people don't talk as much about because it's not quite like bloodborne's probably like their most diverse example where i think like i remember looking it up one time and it's like half of that game's bosses are like optional there's like eight areas in that game that you'd never have to touch it like that game's the amount of uh that game that's optional is like insane this game doesn't have quite that but it still has a couple of like really cool moments where people did things differently where i got stuck on the guardian ape there's this point it's a point in the game where you have to go collect these two items and the ideal path is you go fight the guardian ape you get the one item and then you can go to the other path and get the other mm-hmm. item and if you do that you have to fight the guardian ape again you have to fight the guardian <laughs> ape a second time i never had to do that same yeah, here because i got stuck in the guardian ape and i'm like ah, oh, i'm like maybe i can go to that other area and it turns out i could you have to take there's like a couple paths to get there but i kind of took this different path um and i remember like getting to this room where it's just like there's some blood on the ground and it's this open arena and i was like oh there's gonna be a boss fight there and i go in so nothing happens and i'm like yep. <laughs> the same thought like, okay cool and i just kind of zip past and i'm like all right cool never mind and i and i kept going <laughs> and i went through and then it wasn't until after i'd beaten the game people were like dude that second guardian fight sucked and i was like oh yeah the second phase is tough they're like no the second fight and i'm like what are you talking about? <laughs> Turns out if you kill the guardian ape, it shows back up in that area and you have to fight it. If you yes. kill it yeah. first, you have to do that second fight. It is directly in your path, but you could completely skip it <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> and I thought that was so cool that like the game has moments like that. There's, it rewarded you for getting stuck. It got yeah. rewarded me for getting stuck. <laughs> And it's like, I think I could, uh, at, once I then beat the Guardian Imp, I could technically then go back and fight it. But there was mm-hmm. no reason for me to, t- to do that because I had already gone to that area and done everything. I just thought that was so cool. And then uh, another area was uh, Sempo Temple. You can get to that area way earlier than you need to. Yep. Yeah. So I went to that area, did the entire thing. And then I got to the top and... There was just like a there was a guy there and I like talked to the guy and he's like, oh, you know, and he gave me this like thing. But then that was it. There was like no boss fight or anything. I'm like, okay, well, every area ends with like a boss fight. I'm like, that's weird. And I like couldn't figure it out. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm done with this area. Okay. And then I went back and I and I fought like Genichiro, who is like the thing who's the character you need to fight to like progress the story. Yeah, the one that most people I feel like that, that's on. like the, the true test of, of so strength. that didn't happen for me because I think 
because I did Sempo Temple, I had A, played more of the game, so I got more comfortable, but I had also upgraded more, so I beat him in like three tries. <laughs> Dang. Well. And I felt really uh, bad because It took at a that bit time, longer for some of us. Samore was talking about <laughs> no. it. It was taking him six hours, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Cool I just flex. beat him. <laughs> <It's fine>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was another example where I was like, then you're supposed to go to Sempo Temple, so that's when the boss of that area actually opens up. Um, Which I think is the worst boss in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's 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 really cool the it, first time, yes, but every uh, subsequent time. The first time I was like, thank God, a break. <laughs> it's like a gimmick. It's more of a gimmicky boss. Yeah. Um, it's okay. They needed one. Yeah, They you, did. And you don't I, even I, talk to that guy if you beat Genichiro before getting up there. He's just a dead mummy. He's not there yet. That, yeah. that dude is straight up not <laughs> he there. He dies by the time you and, get up there. Uh, yeah, because I remember I went to like, I was like Tay or someone, and I was like, hey, you like, where do I go? Like, this guy. And he's like, what guy? I don't know what you're talking about. Like, he didn't, he had no idea, which was, yeah, I was just and trying to once like. Once again, you said get good. Get good, exactly. <laughs> like me, where I go in the weird order and skip things. <laughs> but I love that. I love that we were like trying to figure it out, like, well, what do we do next? And like, how does this work? Um, apparently, the, fighting that. Getting that guy early, the thing he gives you is one of the things you need for the like true true ending. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't go to him early, you can still get it, but it's like because he's dead, it gets like thrown into like a river or a, like a pond or something, and you need to go find it. It gets that thrown way. in the middle of a bunch of poisonous geckos. That's oh, really excellent. annoying to get to. Well, I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it it even though it is a little bit more straightforward, there is a clear narrative. It still definitely feels like a from software game in terms of the narrative. And how there's a bunch of different endings and secrets and paths you can take that you don't even really know about. Like, you don't, when you play through that game first, you don't even, unless you're really paying attention, you probably don't know that there's going to be multiple endings or different ways you can end it. Um, But I think that is also a thing I love about from software games in this game as well is that there's so much, there's so many reasons to return to these games once you're done just to see those different sides. Like, there are, Areas that are essentially remixed in this. There are new areas, different bosses you fight on different playthroughs. And some of those bosses are the hardest ones, I think. Yeah. 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 Mr. I got the platinum, except it wasn't a platinum because I was playing on Xbox. Yeah, I, well, I don't know how you... What do they call that on Xbox? It's, it's just not you called have the game it's just, You have all the achievements. <laughs> did, they, did they get rid of... Because I remember on the 360... And for some reason, I was thinking about this earlier today. On the 360, it was like a strict 1,000 points. Did they change that? Is it still a strict? It is strict 1,000 unless I think there's DLC. The Master Chief collection is more than that. So yeah, yeah, the Master Chief collection is weird. Expansions add more yeah. onto it that usually. That game has 700 achievements. Oh, my God. I think that's why I was thinking about it because someone was tweeting about how they were trying to get all 700. And I was like, <laughs> good luck, dude. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> did, I, yeah. did you guys get uh, all 1,000 achievements in, in Peter Jackson's King Kong? <laughs> Yes, I, th- I think I did. You just had to finish it. Oh, so you had to finish then, yes, the game. Prob- then yes, I probably did. <laughs> I remember for a while that was the only one I had, and I was like, well, they kind of messed up, huh? That was before. It was before people really knew that. Yeah, I think Dead Rising was the first game where like achievements became. We're getting so off topic. I'm <laughs> no, so sorry. It wouldn't be GameSpot After Dark without a tangent, but we do want to keep this one Let a little Let me tell bit you about the track. Dead Rising's achievements and how fun they were. <laughs> um, well, I guess like. A thing to talk about, like one of the, the most important things about from software games too are its bosses. What are some standout bosses that you guys ran into? Jordan, do you wanna start? What is your favorite boss? I say I think just straight up the ape that you already mentioned, if for no other reason it kind of subverts your souls born expectations that like when the boss music is done, when the fog wall is gone, and when the boss bar is empty, you even the get- boss is Shh. done. Like and you get maybe <laughs> 
a second and a half, two seconds of being like, oh, thank God I've beaten this boss before the fog wall reappears and you hear a rustling behind you and you turn around and you see this headless monstrosity picking up its own head and you're like, no, no, no. Like, I have two two healing gourds left. I'm I, not ready for this. I just spent hours trying to get through this first phase, and you're telling me he's got another one? I forget who it was, but I definitely remember, like, seeing someone fight them for the first time, and I was, like, waiting for it to happen. I was like, yeah, beat him. Beat him, and then drop Use your guard. Your <laughs> I forget who it was, but that was really funny. Well, it even does, like when you take out its first bar it says shinobi execution yeah. which it always does when you kill the boss and you're like all right i'm good yeah but then like the body's still there for a while and you're like but like the health bar happen? disappears like <laughs> oh, it's so good yeah i would say the the two bosses that really make you rethink how you're fighting bosses are the the guardian ape and the demon of hatred Oh, that's not the end oh. of the game. The Demon of Hatred saying, is the, the Bloodborne end. boss who invaded that, Sekiro. That boss is also very tough. <laughs> that's a funny way of putting it. I like that. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's just like, yeah, it's straight up Bloodborne now. <laughs> uh, Jean-Luc, do you, have a, do you have a favorite? Uh, It's a couple. I mean, I so even though I did it pretty quick, I still very much remember the Ganeshiro fight because mm. I think it's one of the more cinematic fights um like when you're in that second phase and like the lightning is shooting down he's like throwing that at you um like there's like tamor was talking about in our game of the year about how like when you do like a perfect parry you'll see like the lightning bolt like in the background like they time that with the music and with the combat like i think that is where just like the presentation really picks up in a way where you're like holy shit this feels so intense that lightning mechanic is stressful too because you don't you don't get any practice with it until the third phase of Genichiro. So you either do it or you don't and you take a lot of damage if you don't. So yeah. good luck. All you get is a sign before and that says, hey, if you jump and swing your sword right when you hit the ground, you'll uh, zap them. And you're yeah. like, what? Yeah. It's like a scroll you find on a wall and you're like, uh-huh. And then he pulls out like a lightning sword and you're like, oh, shoot, that's what that was about. Okay. I say some people in the office missed reading that scroll entirely. Like Matt was like, so how do you deal with the lightning for Genichiro. I'm like, oh, you just have to counter it like the scroll says. And he's like, what? What scroll? <laughs> it, it actually has a pretty generous window. It does. But but it's it almost, if you don't know what to look for, it almost tricks you where like, it you look like you get hit by lightning and you're like, oh, I got hit by lightning. I'm screwed. It's like you then have to hit it. Mm -hmm. And so like you're, you think you're dead when actually you're able to still Fine. counter. It, it's, that's a weird one to get used to, yeah. but it's, it looks yeah. so cool when you and, do it. And the only times you use it are at least the only major times you use it is Genichiro and then the final boss. The final boss, which I was going to yeah. say is and also the dragon. one that was in the, the dragon. dragon yeah. yeah. The final boss is one that's super memorable for me because that, that is the one that I did spend like six, seven hours it's a tough doing. One. It's a <laughs> oh boy. very, it's probably one of the toughest fights in any from software game that game i don't, I don't want to like spoil that fight but yeah. it is oh that fight is intense and yeah, it I, has, think I remember talking to you and you're like yeah you should just carve out like six hours or so yeah it, like, it has and has so many phases like you're like i think that's like the f man, there might be one more before where it has like four four phases to it mm -hmm. and you're like oh my god i'm gonna be here for a while <laughs> but i guess just to speak to the design of that game by the time you get to that boss and by the time you're able to go toe to toe with him you feel like you have learned so much and you've mastered so many different mechanics and techniques that this game is throwing at you and it gives you a incredibly tough challenge still that you don't think you can overcome at least right away 
But once again, just like all the other bosses, you do kind of figure that out. And when you do figure it out and you come back to fighting him, it, it's really, I guess, impressive how, 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 much, how much the combat becomes muscle memory and reflex and how you just kind of hit all of those counters oh, perfectly without yeah. even thinking about it. And then you and then you hit him again for the <laughs> doing that fight is like, yeah, you're like hour one. OK, I can flawlessly do the first phase yeah. but like hour three. I can flawlessly do the first two phases now. And then but then it's like hour four. It's like I messed up the first phase. Yeah. <laughs> like then kind of like I need to stop now. <laughs> Eat some lunch, <laughs> take a nap and try again later. Oh, man, that one. Also, the. I, I don't know if you guys had trouble with it. The one I had a lot of trouble was with the corrupted monk. So that the was true what one I was going to mention for one? my favorite. The, the, the fake one, the first time mm-hmm. you fight it. Because that was that was the one that had, because its its posture bar refills insanely fast. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that like really teaches you how to properly like count. Because you can't do the hit and run poke. Mm-hmm. Like there are some bosses where you can kind of cheese it. That one, it's like, nope, p- posture bar is up. Like you cannot do it. You have to like that's the one that like forced me to like play super aggressively i still had some of those snap peas i think they're called left over yeah, from the butterfly fight and you just like activate it once and she's just stunned for like five seconds yeah. and so you just keep using that over and over I again I saw the sugars on that fight i even love oh man like we didn't even talk about there's some like those um the mini bosses are like yeah. really good the um rent of the water the one right before God, the corrupted she is hard. it's She's like this, optional but game, it's like this ghost hard. lady and it's a part of this there's this um is she optional she is optional. You can oh, run right can run, by her, run. and if you run uh, by okay. her, she's she like, oh, you would ignore a sad old lady. How yeah. dare you? And she'll start chasing after you, but eventually oh, you can just so outrun good. her. Basically, <laughs> it's, it's the ending of this, like, mini quest. The game has all, like, like Dark Souls, it'll have, like, these um, side quests with characters where you're, like, interacting with them, and you can kind of choose their fate. Some of them are really brutal and, and dark. And there's yeah. this fate with this guy where he hears this song... And he's like trying to figure out he's like, I've been called to this like, well, because I can hear this song and, and you kind of keep following him. And the ending was he like the ending of his story is that he gets to this woman who's playing like a what is she playing? Like a violin or something like some, some sort strange of string Japanese instrument. instrument that I and don't know the name of. He that's what he was hearing. And essentially, she is this like, um, maiden whose like husband died before she could get married or something and then so as a ghost she like lures men and then like kills them oh mood <laughs> it's really good <laughs> so you like find him and he's dead and you're like oh shit like that's a really tragic end for a story and then you go up to her and you can talk to her and then you can try to comfort her you could try and comfort her but it doesn't really work because like she's just so vengeful and then you have to fight her but um i love like the string music it plays during that mm-hmm. because like you just don't expect there to straight up be like a ghost lady that you have to fight in this game (laughs) and then it plays this like really frantic like creepy unnerving strings and then and she she has this um very i would say her her attacks are also kind of a little just out of rhythm enough Mm -hmm. because the music is also like very frantic and almost a little bit out of rhythm from what you're expecting that even though it's just a mini boss it it feels so frantic and hectic and, and memorable. Like I really like some of the side stuff in this game that I feel like I say, talk her about and about. the armored knight. I really liked those mini Robert! bosses a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I had a glitch actually because I was I was playing through it again 
couple days ago because I was trying to capture a lot of it without a HUD, which, by the way, I know you did some of this too. It Ooh, is, that tough. game is much harder without a HUD. It is. I imagine. Don't, I don't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I had a glitch that he didn't do anything. I have footage of it. I just walked up to him and he was just... And I, and I was like, okay. So I just like kept hitting him until I pushed him up against one of those walls <laughs> and mm. then and then just took him out. He didn't and then from that moment on, none of the enemies fought back. Whoa. Whoa. It was really weird. I was like, dang, I wish this happened my first play. <laughs> uh, Except that that wouldn't be that <laughs> <ideal>. <laughs> like this is bad catch. I mean, it's like so I easily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that fight took me a while. I feel I feel dumb. That fight took me longer to figure out than I like I I think I f- kept fighting him for like felt like a couple hours and I was like you know, I keep I keep getting his health all the way down, and he just keeps regenerating. Like, what am I doing wrong? And then finally, I was like, at one point, I accidentally broke one of the he or he said something. Like, I think I broke one of the the side panels, and then he said something about like trying to push me off, huh? And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't, but now I'll try. Okay, I figured it out, and then I did it. Um, Callie, I know you didn't finish Sekiro because you were way too busy when that game came out. Um, But do you have like a favorite boss fight that you remember, or maybe just like a favorite interaction that happened along the? I think you got a little about about halfway, maybe a little less than halfway. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had to move on to Days Gone, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) My condolences. Um, And it's a hard game to jump back into. I guess that's why I read upsetting earlier because. there's a lot of things in that game that stick out to me about like the vistas um and like i was thinking i so the blazing bull i did not like i did not like the blazing bull at all i could not figure that shit out. i don't like i don't like the blazing bull either. could not figure that shit out for the life of that me. was like a bloodborne style boss too yeah. it felt like yeah. yeah um and they threw it in like right after that other fight and i was, it like, was like i was rough but anyway i really uh i was really satisfied um with myself this is it's kind of a weird thing so bear with me uh fighting juzo the drunkard because I have a vomit phobia. Oh. <laughs> so having to steal myself against him, like, puking on his sword and poisoning me, I was like, I don't want to do this. But I did do it. And I'm very proud of myself. And um, I feel like you yeah. also didn't have nearly as much trouble as a lot of people did on Juzo. I didn't have a ton of trouble on Juzo. Yeah, it was like, more of a mental challenge for me. Yeah, I mean, it probably goes back to the fact that you didn't play a lot of, or you even played any Dark Souls games, so you weren't trying to rewire your brain. No, I mean, like, I I felt like they, like we said, like, it's a pretty straightforward game in that, like, I kind of knew. Uh, it, hearing people talk about it during Game of the Year made me appreciate it even more because... I didn't quite appreciate just how tight the mechanics were and how good the sword play was until I heard about it more because I kind of took it for granted. But like it, uh, I really like, I did a lot of stealth. So I have like these stealth sequences baked into my mind. And then the snake, the giant serpent. The snake is cool. That's one of my favorite parts of the game. I think. That first Freaking snake interaction. Cool. That part puts its eye right up to the yeah. tent that you're hiding in. It's yeah. And when you see that red dot appear, you're and like, you know oh. you can, you're like. <gasps> <laughs> that, um, and then the later stuff with it as well. Yeah, yeah but I, so that one, that just really stuck out to me is like, I was so impressed by that. I like cryptids and sea monsters and just like giant horrible monsters. So I really enjoyed that section a whole lot. You gotta um, play Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, that's all Bloodborne. <laughs> and um, as we've talked about on this uh, podcast before, I regret not... So I played it, in, it with Japanese VO, but of course the... My name! Oh, the- <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I've heard it so many times. It's as if I played with the English dub. Like that's how baked it it is into my experience with the game. Like I didn't even hear that. But like this might be a weird thing to praise, but I was gonna say this is a game like published by Activision where it defaulted to the Japanese, like yeah. VO, and I just thought that was like I I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was like not to say that the English VO isn't isn't um good, but it's just like I was I was shocked that that um they were like no, this is like how you should play it. Like they they, they mm-hmm. presented it as the default. I just thought that was I that was kind of cool. I guess I don't think about it that way because they weren't developing it. But yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I I read a <laughs> I read an interview. I think it was an interview. It was a while back when when I think it was first announced that Activision was publishing this new IP from I from think software. Everyone was like, oh. and and Activision they were essentially like, well, you know, they had a game and. I'm I'm smart enough to know that if From Software is knocking on your door, you answer. You like doesn't matter if it doesn't sell well. Doesn't matter if it's it, like sure it may not be a franchise, but if if they want to make a game and they're asking you to help publish it, you say yes. Mm-hmm. That's that's so interesting because and you can tell that Activision probably had very little say into the final probably <laughs> but, but for from Activision's point of view, that's good business. Like it they is. would not want to have yeah. to say. But anyway, um yeah, I just, I really like Japan. It's nice to be like, like, I didn't realize that they had guns at that point in time in Japan. Like, the time period it's, like, sort of set in. Mm-hmm. So I was really into that, and then I started reading about Japanese history, like a big nerd. Um, so just stuff like that about the game I really enjoyed. I was actually in Japan when it came out. Um, so I came back from Japan, and I was, like, sad, and I was like, yay, more Japan. I, I love how it... <laughs> It really like, even though um, Ashina is fictional, I think there's a place called Ashina. I was like looking it up, and I remember it's like it's based on a real place, but it's like not like the stuff that happens is obviously not real. Yeah, it's but, like a prefecture, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it it takes place at the end of like the Sengoku period, which was like mm-hmm. this very bloody period of like the way it it made me want to read about like that era of japan kind of oh, like yeah, you were so saying I ended up doing yeah that. it's like oh i want to know about like you're like yeah that area of J- era of japan was like super violent and like constant political upheaval and all these different places yeah, broken and then, up into factions and, and, and yeah yeah mm-hmm. you, you had like these major conflicts and then these smaller ones and, and that kind of is like part of the narrative of the game is that like it the upheaval of like this status quo of this like family and and mm-hmm. um other people trying to kind of take control over it like i thought that stuff was so cool and it just made me want to like learn everything i could about like the game's world i like it when games make me want to learn i know that sounds kind of silly but like i remember when my brother was in high school i bought him civ 5 which uh he ended up putting a thousand (laughs) hours into so sorry mom and dad but like um he started like reading up on like these old leaders and stuff and i was like ha i taught him to like learning um but like it's cool when a game when you're like so invested in the world that you're kind of interested in where it came from um and yeah i just i don't know i i like it a lot that big one for me was like assassin's creed 2 probably because it had because i remember in the game i don't know if they still do it in the games but i remember in that one you would like go to the codec or whatever and like that one guy would like tell you like the real truth about mm-hmm. that one character like michelangelo did this and this or you know mm. this guy did this and that and i remember being like really into uh like 
the Italian Renaissance because I just wanted to like know more about those characters. <laughs> they learn and those more. They, they like, I want to know about that building that I jumped off of. Like, they, tell they, me more about they it. They do discovery mode now instead, which is equally, yeah. if not cooler, where you can just load oh, in man. the ancient Greece or ancient Egypt. I would Egypt love if like Sekiro had something like that. Yeah. However, counter to something like Assassin's Creed. So like in my high school, I didn't end up taking world history. I could only take European history. It's problematic as hell. Don't at me. So I, I took European history and I never learned about like China or Japan or India or like anything. The last time I took a class on those things was in middle school when we were studying yes. like samurai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you learned about like the Silk Road and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So like I didn't get to take it. Like I just didn't have the opportunity to take um, an advanced, a more advanced class looking at like East Asian history or uh, like basically anything west of Italy or east of Italy. I So I really liked that about Sekiro too. Just like that made me want to learn more because it's, I realized how the fact that I looked at that game and I was like, they have guns. That's when I was like, I need to do some reading. Speaking of the guns, though, when you first get to the gun fort in Sekiro oh, and oh you've just God. been dealing with blades mostly and then all of a sudden you like take a step and just 12 bullets fly at you and you're like, I, I have a sword. I can't deal with this. Well, this entire tribe of warrior woman only uses guns to so deal with it. You're like, dang it. Uh, I haven't even talked about my favorite boss yet, but I, mine is, you mentioned it, the Corrupted Monk. I think because... That first fight is so tough. At least it was so tough for me. Yeah, it was and for me too. you fight that sort of monk again, but he's even tougher. And you think he's going to be tougher, but after you've had so much practice with that first form, when you finally get to him, it like that muscle memory is there. And you're like, oh, wait, I have been learning. I do know about all this stuff. And it's so satisfying to just trounce that boss the second time it's he's still tough though <laughs> i remember Jeez. that that second fight because uh so in the office tay was the first to beat it but he accidentally picked the like bad, the bad ending. ending he picked the bad ending and i remember like everyone was like so nervous like like gotta make sure i don't pick the bad ending. like after that happened everyone like kept messaging like me and tay being like I think about the choice. Which one do I pick? And it's like, it's actually super obvious. Tay just like wasn't thinking and like <laughs> the wrong one because it was like late. And I remember he was like immediately regretted it. Like the second he hit it, he was like, that was not the right choice. And I messed up for the game auto save. So, but uh, that corrupted, we hadn't, because I, I, at that point I was the only one going down the true ending. And that second um, corrupted monk fight is actually a fight. It was like the first fight they ever showed pre-release for that game oh really yeah, yeah. The trailers i yeah. remember that it, specifically that version of it and we're like we already fought it and we're like did they just straight up like cut that fight and we're like wow like that's crazy like that was like the first thing they showed and then when i got to the true ending it's like oh no never mind there it is what a pretty fight though to that's just walk up to fight. that bridge with all the petals oh, coming the down and then all of a sudden the monk that just... whole final like true ending area is so good i love that like that is it's like this vast, like ruined, like city, like with the waterfall and like mm -hmm. everything's like sunken. And it's like this, it's the area that like, I think truly tests your like stealth abilities the most. Cause it's got those like, what do you even call them? Like weird water slug, lizard things. Water yeah. slug <laughs> yeah. people that like, and there's, this, there's specific areas where it's like, if you get 
notice they will all come rushing so you have to like play it stealthily for a little then bit they're also the flute players would just yeah like, yeah yeah they'd the play their flute and if, just, was if you get cursed by them or whatever you die yeah. yeah they like steal their your youth or something yeah yeah that, that whole last area is absolutely beautiful um and like I, it's probably one of my favorite looking areas in a game it's so good i would say to Callie's earlier point like dark souls and bloodborne has like some really nice settings and stuff like that but there's like a haunting beauty to a lot of Sekiro's mm -hmm. locations where it's like, this is creepy as hell, but also this is one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a video game. Totally. I mean, I guess that kind of brings us to story, which is something that I think typically is something you definitely want to dig into in a From Software game, but I feel like typically that comes later, right? Like everyone plays through the game, they really start to figure it out, but the story in this game is more front and center. Uh, what did you guys think of like this type of story for a from software game? Yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. I I like that it was more straightforward in that um you have like a clear goal of what you're doing. You know, is lip sync too. Lip sync. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there there it's nice to have an identifiable goal in compared to other from software games um where i think like it's it's easy to play through a dark souls game and then be like i don't know what any of that was it's like about. i'm getting this flower to sever the dragon's heritage as opposed to being like i think i'm supposed to smother some fire to yeah. do something yeah, ring but, a bell but it's, yeah. got, it's got all that dark souls uh elements where like the more you look into it the more you get out of it so um you know learning about when you go to like Sempo temple and you learn like okay this is where the rejuvenation waters were and you, you are fighting these like monks who've been corrupted but like when you really like dive into like why they're like that and how they kind of like strayed from the path and and how they were like manipulating people and how the sugar the sugars that you've been picking up like actually come from that temple and and, and like there's a lot of just like the interconnect interconnections that like i think just make it all like click in a, in a way that um i find really like i that's my favorite type of storytelling in games it's the kind of storytelling you that i feel like only a game can really pull off mm -hmm. because like you like you couldn't take that and make that a movie like yeah. it's just so bare bones but it's yeah. it's lets you as the player figure it out yeah the story is something that tamor really praised in our uh best of meeting and i i will say like this is i already have a really poor memory for story um which is weird because i think uh like when i review a game i i enjoy like digging into the like like i, I like analyzing story but this is like the, the kind of storytelling that i have the hardest time understanding so it's not something i didn't get you know i haven't played the game multiple times so it's not something that i really was able to understand about the game but hearing Tamora talk about it was really powerful um yeah i would say the story becomes more clear obviously with more playthroughs especially because your first playthrough the pacing is going to be so funky because you're going to spend hours and hours and hours on a boss and then you're going to move a little bit and spend another couple hours on the boss it could be like 10 15 20 hours before you actually progress the story itself so i can like for me especially the first time i was like okay i get the overall story here in the arc. Uh, but it wasn't until multiple playthroughs where I started to have a better understanding of the story. But it's still something that, for me personally, I feel like I haven't really tapped into too much. And it's something that I'm excited to go back and 
focus more on what the characters are saying, what the items say. Uh, maybe watch some videos on YouTube about some Vati uh, video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Watch some of his videos explaining like very specific sections of the game that I'm like, whoa, that makes way more sense now. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. I, I, something that Tamor talked about is how the game relates to like death um, in a, in a more impactful way than any other Dark Souls or like from software game or like those games. You they they have the same mechanic of like when you die you come back and like Dark Souls it was all about like you're undead because of the hollowing um, and like in Bloodborne it was like because of the hunter's dream but they always there is a little video gamey about it where you're like well, wait why am I coming back to life but then these other hollow people are it, it it was always a little weird where you're like okay it fits in the narrative but also it's still a video game <laughs> I feel like this is the one where they truly like really made that part of the game like fit with the narrative where it's like you specifically are a character who cannot die who like will always come back to life and how the whole story is about severing that and like getting rid of that that tie and how every time you die i mean we haven't even talked about it like the um there's the whole mechanic where with the dragon rot where whenever you die um you have a chance to by the people you meet you have a chance where they will um they can like do a thing called unseen aid where um, they will like, you will retain all of the, uh, the like money and experience that you would have lost. Yeah. If so you normally when you die, you lose half your experience and half your money. But every time that happens, you're like this, like invisible counter kind of ticks up. And then the people that have been helping you will start to get sick with the dragon rot and they can no longer help you and they start dying and you can't uh, progress their storylines anymore. And you have to, use this uh item that you you can't really get that much to like kind of revive them and so it becomes this thing of like i am trying like you're seeing the consequences of the immortality and why you want to get rid of it because at first you're like well i can't die like that's great why would i want to get rid of it but then you're seeing like oh it's because i'm causing all these people to get sick and i'm like killing this country and i want to like it gives you like a a motivation through gameplay to like understand where the characters are coming from and why they want to sever the immortality. Like, cause you're seeing the consequences of like, Oh, that guy who like helped me and who I did that quest for is now like coughing up blood. Can NPCs actually die from dragon rot though? Because they I don't know. So yeah. That, that's didn't, that didn't happen with me thing that I wish the game went for. Yeah, so yeah. It'll, it'll stop their storyline, but once you but, cure them, yeah. they will just go back. I, I wish that some of them could just straight up die. I say I know that Sekiro is already really hard, but I feel like the dragon rot could have been made just a little bit more difficult to be more impactful. The item that you can get to cure it, like near the end of the game, you can get an awful lot of them and just kind of cure people fairly regularly. There's still a limited amount. Yeah, there is. There's quite a few more when you get to the end. I forget how many. It's pretty easy to finish up most of the NPCs' quest lines, provided you've been like keeping up with them and so it it almost kind of loses the impact that you could yeah. be losing out on something if you I mean, get I, too many people sick i kind of understand why they went with what they went because i that game already can be really tough and like if like it's just stressful enough like losing to a boss over and over but if you're also like in the back of your head being like everyone's dying around me <laughs> and then you would just that could be almost too stressful and would just cause you to be like i don't want to play this because it's like stressing me out too much 
But I wish they maybe maybe like an option you could like turn on in the menu yeah. or something. Something like Hellblade, where like the rot in her that grows with every death like eventually causes a right complete I that. game I over. That game has that. Like, Does it? Wasn't well, it like it did? But then I, I think I it says that, it will, but it won't. But it yeah. won't. That's like a false. Which I choice. thought was even more genius. Yes, <laughs> and, and, and Sekiro but, kind of does that. Not yeah. quite, but it like implies that'll happen, but then it doesn't. So it's sort of similar. I think I this is good in that like obviously even a game of the year is going to have flaws, but we don't want to talk about the flaws exactly. too much. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, okay. but. Um, I, although I think we have talked a lot about Sekiro. Is there anything we want to close up on? Any last words we want to mention characters, bosses before we close this show out? This is a little bit shorter today because we're going to be recording a lot these next couple days. So we have episodes, as I said before, to last through the, the, the break. Uh, Sekiro, more than a lot of the other games in our top 10, has some excellent husbandos and waifus in it. Just throwing oh, that out there. Yes, Jordan. <laughs> yes. You brought Callie back. Between Emma, Ashina, Genichiro, there are... Sekiro himself. What about Sekiro himself. Taco he's, 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 he's okay. That was a he's joke. Okay. He's okay. I love the. He's a little burly. Like scares me. The <laughs> <laughs> you. Little bar. Okami. Yes. Okami. He's sushi booty na. Okami. All right. Well, cool. That was our game of the year. Uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Thank you for tuning into the podcast and make sure to send in your questions at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com. However, if you send in questions, actually, if you're listening to this now, we probably won't be answering any questions for the next couple of weeks because we would have already have recorded episodes to fill in the weeks for the rest of the year. But still send us questions and we'll make sure to get to those at the beginning of next year when we return. Mm-hmm. Uh, we another thing. Of, hmm? Sorry, I was just going to say we have a lot of fun stuff planned for those um Mm -hmm. like break episodes so like just because we're recording them early doesn't mean they won't be fun we just won't have like up to the minute news coverage it's okay we we like (laughs) slack on the news coverage anyway i feel like well yeah this isn't a news show this is this is an after dark show where we talk about feet and stuff maybe too much but yeah only the one time (laughs) twice (laughs) maybe three times actually um, I don't know. If I'm there, there's, someone's got a feed counter, hopefully. Anyway. Uh, but also, <laughs> another thing is a GameSpot Discord server. We've been talking about this for a while. Jean Luc, you can probably add a bit more to this. However, that is going to happen next year. That's going like. to happen next year, finally. Uh, we're going to do like a soft launch where I'm going to kind of try and get people in a little bit at a time. Um, so if you're interested in that, uh, just email us or you can Again, just... Again, at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com. Yeah, or you could just DM me on, on Twitter um, at John, John Luke specifically. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, probably I more mean... manageable to email. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, because I'm also going to try and get some... Like, for example, I, I'm going to try and get uh, people who watch, like, GameSpot um, Community Fridays to, to join that as well. And mm. I'll John Luke wants that them. internet clout. Yeah, well, Twitter internet clout. <laughs> Give me a follow and then I'll let you in. That's how it works. No, please don't do that. I would never, I would never uh, uh, do something like that. Speaking of which, though, Jordan, got anything to plug and where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I write about indie games a lot of the time, like how hard it is to create them and how death positivity in them is a good thing. And I have a lot more indie ideas scheduled for 2020 so look out for that you can follow me on twitter at j m r a m e e 
Got some anime stuff too, right? Normally? Well, always anime stuff. Every season there's anime stuff. You know, Jake. You're there all the time. Yeah, you're the, you're the biggest anime fan. John Luke, what are you working on? Where can people find you? Uh, working on some Game of the Year related stuff, which should hopefully be up, up by now. Yeah. By now. Um, a very nice, like, top 10 montage that uh, pretty much was like a team effort. I feel like every everyone on the video team worked on that and so i I always like making that because it's a nice end of the year video that's like this is something the entire team worked on together and i think that's fun um otherwise i think um because i'm still up in the air on exactly what we're doing but we will be making some content to fill in the gaps um during the holiday break so look forward to that and kelly um i in addition to like best of stuff i'm definitely going to be Working on the um, Pokemon competitive mini series of videos that I pimped out on Twitter or something a little, a couple weeks ago, a week or two ago. But uh, I'm still working on that. I'm just, I, I'm always thinking about Pokemon. So I want to do more of that in the new year. And then that's basically what I'm working on. You can find me on Twitter at Inky Dojiko, I N K Y D O J I K K O. Cool. And then you can find me at Jacob Deck and I'm gonna be recording more podcasts, I guess. <laughs> All right. See y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.